This morning, we are continuing our series on cultivating courage. And of course, we're getting close to Easter time. We are, uh, we are only uh, a week away from Palm Sunday, and then the week after that is Holy Week. And uh, so there are, there are significant things coming in the calendar of the church. And this morning, we are going to be looking at cultivating courage by changing the story that we tell ourselves. Changing the story that we tell ourselves. And, and just before we get to the scripture, for the scripture reading, uh, I just want to ask, uh, I just want to ask that we would look at... Just hold on a second here. We want to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse uh, 20, but we're going to actually back up a little bit and do like verse 18 or 19 or something. We're going to look at those. Um, Just hold on a second. I'll find it. I had it all queued up and then it went away, of course. We are going to start at verse 14. So just warning for you, Pete, if you're, if you're able to get that 14 to 20, uh, 21. 21. Uh, so before we get to the scripture passage, though, I'm wondering what story you tell yourself right now. What is your, what is your default story that you tell yourself? Let, let me uh, give a, an example uh, sometimes the story, and, and you know this, and this is not about, you know, a therapy session for poor Pastor Dan or anything like this, because I, I'm good, God is good, God takes care of me, and it's good. My default story that I am tempted to tell myself comes from when I was a little kid, and it was basically the story that I am lazy and stupid and good for nothing, which is, which is not true, and the loved ones in my life did not actually try to tell me that story, but somehow I got that story into my head and into my heart, and it's been there uh, ever since, although God has been very good and continues to be very good in helping me to learn more and more that there is a different story, a better story, a more true story that I need to tell myself. So what are... some of the stories that you are tempted to tell yourself. It could be something like what I've just shared, or maybe it's a story that you are tempted to tell yourself when you feel like God is asking you to do something that requires some courage. The story that, that you are tempted to tell yourself like, like Moses. Like Moses was telling a story to himself when God confronted him in the burning bush. And, and Moses says all kinds of things about, well, how am I going to do that? And what am I going to do? And blah, 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 blah. And then finally, well, I don't know how to talk. I can't speak very well. What am I going to do? Right? I'm, I'm a guy. And, and then, of course, you know, he, God ends up providing him with his brother-in-law, Moses, Aaron, sorry. And uh, they ended up, they ended up, well, Moses ended up being a pretty fantastic orator. Uh, and didn't really necessarily need Aaron's speaking skills, right? But but Moses told himself a story that was not true, um, and who knows whether it was partly to avoid uh, doing what God called him to do, 
um, or whether it was just his personal struggles or what. Gideon did it too, right? Remember Gideon? Um, Gideon's, you know, he's working in a pit, uh, threshing the grain and stuff of like this, doing it in the dark of night to hide it from the Philistines, right? And, and, and the angel, you know, greets him with, Hail, mighty warrior, or something very similar to that. And Gideon's like, oh, no, 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 that's not me, <laughs> right? He, he, he had a picture of himself as uh, fearful and, and weak and unable, right? What are the stories you tell yourself, you're tempted to tell yourself? I can't do it, right? Like, I can't as in I'm not capable or okay i can't do it as in i'm not capable sometimes or sometimes i know i'm i know i'm just going to i'm going to fail i'm going to i'm not going to follow through all the way i'm not going to complete it so why even start yeah yeah Jeanette. <clears throat> yes, praise God for that. You've been sober so long. No, it'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. So if you didn't hear that, Jeanette uh, is praising God for celebrating seven years of sobriety yesterday, right? Um, and every day, every day, she has to fight the the story that says, oh, it, it's okay, just have one drink, it'll be fine, right? Yeah. What other stories? <coughs> yeah, Kent. Yeah. 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 Oh. Absolutely. Oh Lord, the job is too big for me. I cannot do that. I I I feel that often, right? Um, I think it was Henry Ford who said, you know, you can do you can do anything if you divide it up into small enough pieces, and, and that that can be true. Um, but it's it's easy to be overwhelmed by the mountain of the job as it appears from this side of things. Anybody else? Yeah, looking at the world and 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 as it were, if I'm hearing you correctly, sort of giving in to the hopelessness and the brokenness that exists. Yeah, yeah, I I can identify with that, right? You look at the world and you see wars and famines and disease and drought and disaster and politics and fighting and and you just say, and you can't do anything because you feel paralyzed by it all. 
these and more are stories that we tell ourselves that are ultimately not true. There are also a flip side, another type of story that we tell ourselves that is also not true and not good. And these are the stories that we tell ourselves uh, almost every time we have a graduation or an awards night or some other significant sort of event, right? And, and these are the stories that go, you can do anything. If you just put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. You can do all that you dream of. And, and, and it's maybe hard to take, but that's just as much a lie as the other. Because the Bible tells us very clearly that we can only do the good things that God has called us to do with God's help. And at the same time, with God's help, we can do anything. So there's the dual lie. The lie of I can't do it and the lie of I can do anything. And the only truth is found in this place where with God, we can do anything and nothing can stand in our way. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. For this reason, Paul says, Paul is writing to the people of Ephesus, of course, to the church in Ephesus. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now see, this is this, Paul is getting started on, on setting the ground for what he's about to say next. He's building something up. And you have to read before this to find out what the for this reason is. But we are going to focus here. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Your name, my name, our name comes from the Father in heaven. Right? You are, (laughs) well, you know, Lydia's a Zalstra. She derives her name from me. (laughs) She should be a Zalstra Tristram, maybe. I don't know, because she derives as much of her name from Gwyneth as she does from me, right? But she derives her name from me. So, too, we derive our name from God. That's why we're called Christians, right? Early on, we were called little Christ ones, really, right? Little imitators of Christ. People who ought to, who try to imitate Christ. Jesus. And and that's not a small thing. That's not a small thing. Think about our our prime ministers, right? Right? You think of of Trudeau, right? And and you think maybe of Pierre Elliott Trudeau, right? And whether you you liked the man as a prime minister or as a person or whatever, uh, doesn't matter. He had a name, right? He had a name, and it, it caused reactions, right? And then along comes his son, Justin Trudeau. And it carries weight, again, regardless of whether you like the man as a prime minister or not, and so on and so forth, it carries weight because of who his father was 
right? And so too it is, if you look at certain acting families, you can find generation after generation of acting families that are part of the Hollywood elite. You can find, like, oh, you look at the Bushes, George and George W., right? They, they also have a name, right? And it means something. They have derived a significant name, regardless of whether you like it or whether you don't, whether you agree or whether you don't. It's a significant name derived from their fathers, from their parents. So, too, with us. And we derive our name from the name that is above all names. That is the name of Jesus our Lord and Savior, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God. That is where our name comes, which is a bigger name than Trudeau, a bigger name than Bush, a bigger name than any famous Hollywood acting family, a bigger name than Gandhi, a bigger name than any other name. And so Paul sets the stage for the story that we should be telling ourselves because of who God is. So, so Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, right? He's reminding us of who God is. And he's not just talking money, of course. Of course, all things in heaven and earth belong to God, whether they be, you know, gold, right? Or whatever it is. It's all things. All things belong to Him. But also the riches of His character, the riches of His mercy, His love, His justice, His righteousness, His holiness, the, the riches of who God is. So our name comes from that God who has all the riches of all the kinds and he prays that out of those glorious riches, he may strengthen you, us, all of us, with power through his spirit in your inner being. Right? Remember that we know through the scriptures that the Holy Spirit makes her dwelling within us. The Holy Spirit lives within us. We are a temple to the Lord. And so Paul prays that the God from whom we get our name would strengthen us with all the infinite riches that God has, out of those infinite riches that God has, in our hearts, in our inner being, through the Spirit, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. So that we, we will not walk alone. We will not pretend to ourselves that we are alone. We will not deceive ourselves into the lie that we can do anything on our own or the lie that we can do nothing. We will live in the story, the truth of Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Right? This is so beautiful, right? We've gotten our name from God, the Father. We have riches of God that are infinite, that are helping to empower us in, in faith so that we know that the Holy Spirit through His inner being is helping us to live with Christ in our hearts, 
right? And then we are rooted and established in love. We are no longer like the cut-off stump of Jesse, rooted in sin and corruption. We are now rooted in love. And the shoot of Jesus that has become the Messiah lives within our hearts. We are rooted and established in the love that God has given us first. And so through all of that, we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Power. Now, what are we going to do with this power? This power, right? (laughs) Often when we think of power in this world, the goal of power is to get more power, right? The goal of power is to lord it over other people, to exert it upon other people, bend them to our will, break them if they disagree or rebel. But that is not the power, the purpose of the power here. No, no, no. All that power is going into helping us to understand, to, to really get it more and more heart, mind, and soul, to understand how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Why is that important? Why is that important? Why does it matter that we know on some level how wide and high and deep is the love of God? What difference does it make? I'll tell you. If if I have a relationship with somebody that's an acquaintancey sort of relationship, that's that's nice. That's great. That's wonderful. If I have an enemy sort of relationship, that's less nice, right? If I have a, a, a friendship-type relationship, ooh, that's nicer than an acquaintancy-type relationship. We're closer. And, and, and that's, going to, that's going to make me feel even better about our relationship because we are closer. We are more intimate with one another. We know each other better. If I'm best friends with somebody, that's the best of all, right? Almost. Because I'm sharing all my secrets. I'm telling all my stuff. And they are cheering me on from the sidelines no matter what. And they got my back if I need it. And they are there. And we are together, right? We are, a, we are two together, which is better than one by himself. And then if I've got a spouse, hopefully, ideally, right? We are even closer than that. We, we share all the depths of our hearts. We bear our souls to one another. We support one another. We become one together. We love each other. And this fills my heart to overflowing. (laughs) I love this about you, Gwyneth. You say really nice things about me to other people. Which is really nice. Right? It's really, really good. I know 
that she loves me so much that her love for me overflows into talking to you. <laughs> may annoy you, I don't know, but for me it's great, right? She's happy to talk about me to other people. And I am happy to talk about her to other people as well. Right? The more we grasp who God is, that God is love, and that He loves us so deeply and so widely and so highly and so longly, the, the, the more we grasp that, the more our hearts fill to overflowing with the love of God so that those things that love cannot help but pour out to other people. You know, you know what God did for me the other day? It was so amazing, right? Oh, you know, I, I don't want to push you or be annoying to you or anything, so, uh, but I love you and I'm just so excited about what God did. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't have all the answers, but I, I do know God loves you and, and can, I, can I pray for you? Can we just hold space together? Can I, can I love you? At least a little bit in the way that I know God loves me. It overflows. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What do you think? Like, <laughs> being filled to the full, all the, <laughs> to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you think that's possible? Really? It would be amazing. But, but you see, the thing is, is that God, who is infinite in His love for us, right? Because part of the thing, part of the point that Paul is making is that as we journey on this effort to understand, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, we realize that we can't do that. It's not possible. We can't ever plumb the depths of God's love. It is so vast. When, when Christ came and emptied Himself of everything, becoming in very nature a servant, becoming one of us, and then living like we do, and dying like we do except worse than most of us experience, when Christ did that, taking upon Himself the burden of all our sins, all our corruption, all our disease, all our ugh, yuck, reconciling us to God and adopting us into God's family, that shows us a huge picture of the depths of God's love. But by no means have we exhausted God's love. It goes on and on and on forever and ever. Amen. And so we can, we in our finiteness, in our limitedness, can no more be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God than, than we could fill a teacup with the full teapot. It, it's just not going to happen. Instead, it just out. It explodes out to, the, to everything around us. <coughs> we become 
conduits of the light of God. We become reflectors of the love of God to the people around us. We do the hardest, most fearsome things because we are full beyond capacity with the love of God. So Paul continues on. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. You see, he set the table for this. He has made us aware of who we are and who God is, how we have been adopted into his family, and and what that means for us. And then he offers up words of praise to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. What, what power? The power of love that God has poured out upon us through Jesus Christ and in our spirits through the Holy Spirit living within us. Through that, right? To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Notice, of course, the story that we tell ourselves. Remember, the story that we tell ourselves is either the story that, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can do everything if I just put my mind to it. If I just work hard enough. And, and to be honest, some of our ancestors, some of our forebears, little bit of temptation in this way. Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Work hard. Or you can make a life for yourself. Right? Good Calvinist work ethic. If you just work hard enough, ooh, and this comes out in a nasty way, a little tangent here. It comes out in a nasty way sometimes. Sometimes some in the Calvinistic tradition have a tendency to look at poor people and say, well, if they just worked harder, if they just worked harder, then they'd be okay. This is a free country. Everybody can make of themselves what they like far more complicated than that. And second of all, but first of all, really, you didn't make yourself a success either. Right? That comes from God and not because you earned it, but through grace and mercy alone. Right? Anyways, the story we tell ourselves, the lie that we tell ourselves, I can do it. Just let me put my mind to it. Let me work hard. Let me be dedicated. Let me step on the backs of anybody who comes before me and I'll climb to the top. No problem. That lie. Or we've got the lie, I can't do it. It's too much. I'm too weak. I'm too broken. The world is too broken. The circumstances are too big. I can't do it. Both of those lies are blown away in the thought of the God who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. Now, of course, we have to remember. We have to remember where that power comes from. Where do we derive our name? Easy answer. 
from God, yes, from Jesus, right? From God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, from the Trinity, right? If Lydia, as a Zelstra, says, Hey, Dad, will you give me a whole bunch of money so I can start a drug-running operation? Then I say, uh, well, I'm more limited than God, and I can't do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. But also, I say, no, that's not very Zelstra-ish. That's not what Zelstras do. We don't run drugs, um, except when I pick up medications for our family, right? So, 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 so this is the thing. She's a Zelstra. So if she's really a Zelstra, she's not asking for things that are not Zelstra-ish. And so she's not asking for me to set her up with the, the beginning cash, whatever you call that, the initial investment to start a drug running operation. Because that's not what Zelstras do. <laughs> yeah, behave yourself. <laughs> right? But also, so too, the Christ follower does not say, hey, I want a million bucks. Why? So I can live in luxurious lifetime. Oh, that's not what, that's not what, that's not what Christ followers do. Right? Our name derived from God means that we have the courage with His power, knowing the depth of His love, to live out the Christ-like things that God has called us to do. And so the immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine is, is whatever, whatever Christ would want us to do. Whether it's cleaning up the brush in our yard, because even though it's an immeasurable task to us in the moment, it's the loving thing to do for our property and for our wife and for our neighbors and so on and so forth, or whether it's, whether it's going across the, half the world to stop a war in the Ukraine. I'm not saying that that's necessarily what you're being asked to do, but if it is, then God will equip you with what you need. Right? And of course, that looks a little weird sometimes to the world. Right? If you're sitting there in a Roman, Roman um, theater, what do you call it? Stadium, Colosseum, thank you. If you're sitting there in a Roman Colosseum watching some Christians get their heads bitten off by lions, you're probably not thinking, wow, God did, did immeasurably more than all they asked or imagined. Except He did. He did. Because what they asked for and what they imagined was that they could just please be faithful to their Lord and Savior no matter what. And so as they lay dying in the sand on the Colosseum floor, they have triumphed more than the Roman authorities would ever know just like our Lord Jesus Himself. As he, laid, or as he was on the cross dying, He was achieving the greatest victory the world has ever known. The only victory that matters at all. So, what God does for us in terms of what we ask or imagine <laughs> may be surprising. But God will do it. 
So brothers and sisters, during this time leading up to Easter, let us remember the example of Jesus our Lord who asked to be faithful and obedient to His Father, to do His Father's will, and was given the gift of being able to do that even unto death. Unto death on the cross for us. Let us remember that and let us set aside the lie that says I can't do it and set aside the lie that says I can do it and instead live in the, lie, in the truth that says I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Let's pray. <clears throat> O Lord in heaven, thank You for our name which comes from You. Thank You, O Lord, for Your love for us. Thank You, O Lord, that You, out of Your glorious riches, strengthen us with power through Your Spirit in our inner being. Thank You that we can do all things through Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank You that You have been and are establishing us and rooting us in love. Thank You for teaching us more about how wide and long and high and deep is Your love. And thank You for filling us to overflowing with the fullness of God. Help us, O Lord, to stop telling ourselves, to stop listening to the lies, the lies that either we generate for ourselves or Satan would love to pour into our ears or both, the lies that this world will tell us. Thank You, Lord, for helping us to set those aside. Please help us more through Your Spirit to leave those behind so that we may live courageously doing what You have called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.